God is good? And all the time? Uh, My name is John, and I am blessed to serve as a pastor here. And I want to invite you to find your way to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we are in week 4 of our uh, sermon series entitled Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the reason it is called Sermon on the Mount is because Matthew chapter 5, 6, in seven, give for us a sermon that Jesus preached as he was on the side of a mountain or a little hill, and he was preaching to his disciples and to the crowds that gathered, and so it has been termed Sermon on the Mount, and we see this thought of the blessed life that kind of is all the way through these three chapters. Now, I want to just, maybe you're new and you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, and again, this is week four of our series, so I want to kind of catch you up to speed of where we're at in Matthew chapter 6. So the first week, uh, Pastor Nathan preached, and we were in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, and those really are known now as the Beatitudes. And so we see blessed is, it's the blessed life. Uh, The first one is the poor in spirit, for they they shall see the kingdom of heaven. And so I want to give you like one statement, if you're taking notes on your phone, or maybe you actually have a pen and paper out, or maybe you can write in your notes on the margin of your Bible, uh, one phrase that could summarize week number one, the Beatitudes. And that is this, being is greater than doing. Being is greater than doing, all right? And if you, since the second service, if you were here last week, in between services, if you remember, Chad Morton had texted me that because being is greater than doing or about the blessed life, remember he said that we should have a be attitude, not a do attitude. And so that's just a good way to remember. Being is greater than doing. Week, chapter, or week number two, we were in chapter uh, five and we continued through the passage there. And if we could summarize that entire Maybe I should do this every week, just have one summary statement and we walk out, right? But if we could summarize week two, it would be relationship is greater than religion. Relationship is greater than religion. And we covered a lot of ground from Matthew 13 all the way through Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to verse 48. Relationship is greater than religion. Last week we were in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. And again, this is just... Jesus talking to his disciples, to the crowds that were listening. And if we could summarize Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18, it would be heart is greater than habits. So let's think about all three of these statements and how they kind of flow together. That being is greater than doing. Relationship is greater than religion. And our heart is greater than our habits. And what we said last week is this idea that the entire sermon is Jesus is wanting us to know that he's after our heart. Maybe you could say it this way. The matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. Jesus wants your heart. More than you doing things for him, he just wants you to, to be with him. More than being religious, he wants you to have a relationship. More than just doing the good things, the good habits of, you know what, Christianity, he wants your heart. Because what Jesus understands, what he knows better than all of us is that if he has your heart, it will lead you to action. And so he wants us to serve him because we love him. 
not because we feel obligated to do so or because some religious dude told me to. All right, so let's jump into Matthew chapter number 6. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and we're going to be in 19 through 24, uh, the, t- the title for the message this morning is Money Matters. Okay, and you could say that with different inflection in your voice, and it mean different things. Like, right, money does matter, right? But we're just talking about money matters, okay? And so Jesus, again, as he's continuing his sermon, he is just continuing the idea that he's after your heart. The truth is, Jesus is not after your money because, as we're going to learn in a minute, it's already his. But he is after your heart because where your heart is, there will your treasure be. All right, let's read Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in you, uh, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. And then Jesus declares, you cannot serve God and mammon, or you cannot serve God and money. And as we think about this text this morning, uh, my dad used to always say, people get funny when you talk about money. And I think that's always true, especially in the setting of church. But I want us to go back where we left off last week. If you remember last week, if you were here, we were in, in Psalm chapter 139, and and we ended the, the, the message last week with a challenge. And I challenge you to pray the same prayer that David prayed. And in Psalm 139, David prayed. He said, Lord, search me and know my heart. You see, I think one of the reasons Jesus talked about money more than any other subject, well, one is because money matters. But I think the reason it matters is because Jesus knew that the greatest competitor of our heart would be money and how we handle our money and our possessions because our possessions have a tendency to possess us, don't they? And so David said, search me, O God, and know my, my heart. And then he says, try me and know my, what's the next word there? Anxieties. Anybody ever have... A little bit of anxiety the last a little while. And we're going to see today that how we, how we view things, our perspective, will impact our decisions. It will impact how we handle our money. But as we'll see in two weeks, it, it will also, our focus, our perspective will impact whether we worry or not. Okay, so David says, search me and know my heart. Try me and see my anxieties or know my anxieties. And then he says, see if there is any wicked way in me. And then he says, lead me in the way of everlasting. You you could kind of summarize that in four statements, right? He says, to search me, try me, see me, lead me. And I want you just to close your eyes for a moment this morning before we really dive into this text. 
And I want you to close your eyes for a moment this morning because as we ended the service last week, I want you to pray to the Lord. And I, if, if and it's up to you, I can't make you. Would you pray this morning, God, as we dig into this teaching of Jesus, would you, would you try my heart? Would you search me? Would you see if there's any wicked way in me? And then, Lord, as you reveal my heart, would you lead me into the way of everlasting? The easiest thing for us to do this morning is to read the scripture and be taught a lesson about money and not apply it. So the, the heart of the matter is this, does God have your heart? Lord, I pray this morning that even as I stand here before these people, Lord, that, that you would search me, that you would try me, that you would see me. And Lord, as you reveal idols in my life, hypocrisy in my life, Areas of focus that are out of focus, that I would surrender to you and that that I would let you lead me. And Lord, that where you lead me, I I will gladly follow. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we've read the text. Let's just point out three things this morning. We're going to walk through this pretty quick. Three things I see that seem pretty obvious in the text. The first is this. You have treasure. Okay? Now, I think you could apply this idea of treasure in a lot of different ways. I think specifically it seems like in the text that the treasure he's talking about is our money and our possessions and our resources. Uh, we, we do have treasure of how we invest our time and our talents. It seems like it's most specifically talking about money and possessions in here. So you have treasure. And then he makes this statement, two different statements. He tells us what to do with those treasures, how to handle our money. And the first thing he says, Jesus says, is don't lay up treasures on earth. Don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth. Why? Because it's going it's to be destroyed. Moth, rust, thieves. Like it's, it's temporal, it's not eternal. Now, as you, you read through the scriptures, you understand that, that Jesus is not against saving money. He's not against working and planning for the future. In fact, you know, the old King James that comes to my mind is the, the scripture that says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. I just like saying that, go to the ant, thou sluggard, right? It's just a principle of the ant stores up for the winter. And so it's, it's a principle of saving, of saving for what maybe Dave Ramsey would have termed saving for a rainy day. The scripture also says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. There's a principle of working and providing for your family and providing. So Jesus is not against money. He's not against working hard. It's not against saving. He's not against planning for the future. But it's about our heart. Am I storing up treasures for myself in a place that is temporary? Let's think about what it means or how could we say, what does it mean to invest in earthly treasure? I think what we see clearly in the scripture is earthly means it's temporal. It's not going to last. But I would say as this mindset or or a heart condition would be to to invest in earthly things is that I'm viewing my money from a self-centered perspective. 
It's a self-centered use of my money and my possessions. Okay? Then if we think of heavenly as, again, eternal, everlasting, then it would be not a self-centered use of my money and my possessions, but it is a Christ-centered use of my money and my possessions. And so Jesus is saying, you have treasure. There's two ways you can invest it. You can invest it in temporal things that are going to be destroyed. And he actually says, don't do that. But again, you can choose to do that. And then he says, but here's where you should invest your money, in things that are eternal. Okay, so is everybody tracking with me? Can you, can you shake your head again? Everybody gets funny when you talk about money and you start thinking about all these things. It gets really quiet in here. And he says, so you, you have treasure. You're going to invest it in one or two ways. It's either going to be earthly, heavenly. And then he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And sometimes I, I wonder which comes first. Does my heart follow my treasure? Or does my treasure follow my heart? I think the answer is yes. I think you can, you, you can have a heart check by looking how you spend your paycheck. Wow. It is super quiet in here this morning. Start talking about my paycheck. We're about to fight right now. I get it. Do you realize your financial transactions have eternal implications? Because all your money that you spend, invest, give, however you want to word that, it is either going to something temporal or eternal. Like every financial transaction has an eternal implication. Let's keep reading. Verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. All right, so let me, give you, let me give you point number two before we keep going. So number one, you have treasure. Number two, you have, or excuse me, you treasure what you see. Number one, you have treasure. Number two, you treasure what you see. Listen to the statement. What you see drives what you want. Think about that for a moment. What you see drives what you want. We're going to get a great example of this. Like in the next few weeks, uh, the greatest season of the year is about to start. Okay? It's not, you know, pumpkin spice latte season. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? Although for some of you, I can't wait for that. I'm talking about football season. And in a few months, in February... The Dallas Cowboys will be playing in the Super Bowl against the New York Jets. Do you believe in miracles? Okay. But in, in February on that day, people are going to spend millions of dollars for 30 seconds of your attention. You know why? Because what you see drives what you want. When you walk into the gas station, you know there's been millions of dollars spent on where they're going to place those chips you're about to buy? Because if it's too much in your way, it just kind of annoys you. But they want it to be in your way enough that you see it. 
Why? Because what you see drives what you want. Why do you think they have the milk in the back of the store? Honey, can you go get a gallon of milk? I came back with $200 worth of stuff that got my way, right? Because what you see drives what you want. Now let's think about this from a, a spiritual perspective. Because in verse 22 and 23, talk about, all right, let's, let's read it. Verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so I'll be honest with you, for many years, I, I, when I preach through this text, I get to 19, 20, and 21, it makes sense to me, I got it. Verse 22 and 23, I'm not really sure what that means. Let's go to verse 24 because it's pretty easy to understand. And so this, you know, a week or so ago, I was kind of thinking through this. What is this, what is verse 20, what does this mean? If, if my light, since the lamp of the body is the eye, and if my eye is good, and if my eye is bad, what does it even mean? So I went to ask somebody that's much smarter than me. I went to ask uh, our discipleship pastor, Nathan Parikh. What does verse 22 and 23 mean? And he says, uh, I normally preach 19, 20, 21 and skip over 22 and 23 and go to 24. Wow, what do we pay you for is what I'm thinking. I didn't say that. So then, who should I ask next? I go to Pastor Matt. He's our finance. He's administrative pastor. He's like the guru of how to spend money. Like, I think he may be, uh, Dave Ramsey may be his surrogate father. I'm not sure. But I, I went to Nathan. I said, Nathan, I... Or, excuse me, Matt, I'm not sure about this 22 and 23. What does it mean? He's like, uh, well, just to be honest with you, normally I go 19 verse 20 and 21, and then I skip over that verse and I go to 24. I'm like, you are absolutely no help at all. But it made us start asking questions and thinking through it and talking about it and studying and going to some commentaries and figuring out. So what Jesus is trying to tell us is what we've already illustrated is what you see drives what you want. What you see is determined by your perspective. And you see our perspectives, our perspective, it drives our decisions. So what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is what perspective do we have with our, specifically our money? In a couple of weeks we're going to get to the perspective eternal or temporal is going to affect how we worry or don't worry. But Jesus is saying how I view my money, am I viewing it from an eternal perspective or a temporal perspective, earthly or heavenly? Because how I view, well, a few weeks ago Pastor Matt spoke on Malachi, we were finishing the series on Malachi, and remember what the, the last part of Malachi says, and and God says, you robbed me. And the Israelites, how have we robbed you? And they say, well, you stopped giving to me. You're not generous. And, and Matt reminded us that everything belongs to God. Can I say it again? Everything belongs to God. We were reminded yesterday at our men's breakfast that even my body belongs to God. Because what did Paul say? I have been bought with the price. And therefore, no longer is my body my body. It's yours, God. I belong to God. And everything I have 
belongs to God. David put it this way in Psalm 24.1. He said, The earth is the Lord in all its fullness, the world and all those who dwell therein. So, if my eye be good, what Jesus is saying, my perspective will be, my money is God's, not my own. That God's the owner, I'm a steward. And steward seems kind of like an old word, so what does a steward mean? I'll give you a quick definition. A steward is someone who manages the money according to the owner's vision and values. So if God is the owner and I'm the steward and everything belongs to God, all of my money I will manage according to the owner's vision and values. Let me tell you how my perspective was wrong for many years. Now, I I grew up uh, giving 10% since I was, you know, since I even knew what 10% was, before I knew what 10% was. My parents gave me a dollar and said, you got to give a dime, okay, whatever that is. Just, that's how, and so the truth is, because of the way I was trained, there's not, not that I can remember any time in my life I haven't given 10%. I'm thankful that my parents trained me that because if they wouldn't have done that, it would have been a really difficult lesson to learn as an adult. But my view was that since I've given 10%, the 90% belongs to who? It's mine. I worked hard for this. I gave your 10%, God, and guess what? I threw some missions money in there, and I threw a building payment in there. I'm good. And you know what that perspective led me to? Debt. Because what I see drives what I want. And if that 90% is mine, I don't have to ask the owner what I should do with it. I do what I want to do with it. And I want me some stuff. Jesus is saying... If your eye is bad, what commentaries would say unhealthy, stingy, then your whole body will be bad. Great is your darkness. If your eye be good, healthy, generous, then your life will be good. Do you want to live a generous life or a stingy life? It's pretty easy when you compare the two to say. The perspective has a lot to do with it. Now, as I said, for many years, my perspective was wrong. I was going, I mean, I was doing the Christian thing. I mean, I I gave 10%. I gave the missions. 1997, we moved to Fort Worth, and Hallmark was in a building program, and guess what they asked us to do? Start giving to the building program. You know what I've been doing since 1997? Giving to a building program. So I wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was stingy, but my perspective was still wrong. Because it was like, God, what I'm giving is yours, the rest of this is is mine. What God is saying is, I want your whole heart. I'm the owner, you're the steward, and what do stewards do? 
They manage the owner's money according to his vision and values. And I remember sitting with uh, one of our faithful members of our church. He, he's in heaven now. He definitely has a heavenly perspective. And I remember sitting with him in his house talking about giving. And he had made a decision many years ago that he would not come to church without giving an offering. He had a good eye with an eternal perspective. And he told me, you know, when we bought this house, and I think it was in the 60s when they bought this house, he said, most everybody that lived in the neighborhood when we lived here have moved on to bigger and better houses. But we chose to stay so we could give. He had an internal perspective as I was good. And if I must confess, my eye is not always good. So I began to think about him this week and all the stories he would tell me. You know, uh, he would walk, used to ride his bike, and every time he would find money, he'd just put it in a jar and he'd bring it to church and give it. One time he found 300 bucks on a walk. He gave it. He went with me to Kenya one year. Uh, he was in his 70s at the time and came back got a side job to help pay for desk for kids in Kenya. That's just the perspective. And, and I'm, I'm willing to confess his perspective was better than mine. So this week I was just kind of thinking about him as we're talking through this and, and thinking through this. And I decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up his 2019 giving report. And then, I, you know what else I did? I looked up my 2019 giving report. And just for, you know, your perspective this morning, my 2019 giving report was like two pages long. Let me show you his. This is his giving report. It's a different perspective, isn't it? Can I stand before you this morning and say, I promise? The treasures he stored up, He's enjoying them now. And I, I'm, I'm assuming he didn't get to heaven and say, man, I, I sure wish I'd had a bigger house back home. And, and I show you that because it's convicting to me. Like, that's, that's a challenge, isn't it? Jesus says, if your eye be good and you have an eternal perspective... It will impact what you do with his money, how you invest it. Because you have treasure. What you see is what you treasure. So what's your perspective this morning? The third one is pretty simple, that you serve what you treasure. You serve what you treasure. That's what Jesus kind of concluded this section on our money in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the question seems pretty simple this morning. Who are you serving? What's your focus 
As we started out this morning saying, God, search me, try me, see me, and then lead me. What has God revealed in your heart? Are you the owner or the manager? And as I said before, you want to know your heart? You want to have a heart check? Look at your paycheck. Where's it go? What's your focus? Who do you serve? God or money? Because Jesus says, the treasure on earth is going to rust or get stolen. But treasure you store up in heaven, eternal. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? As the band comes out to lead us in a final prayer this morning, I just want to give you a second as we think about Psalms. We started the service, we're going to conclude the service with you thinking about that psalm. Lord, would you search my heart? Would you try my anxieties? Would you see me? Would you reveal to me? And will you lead me in the way of everlasting? And I just want you to just, just, just to sit in the silence for a moment. And I want you to think about your perspective. Because your perspective, it directs your direction and it drives your decisions. Lord, I ask you this morning that as you reveal our heart to us today, that, Lord, we would, we would be um, willing, we would be ready to repent. And Lord, I pray you would allow us to have the ability every day to have the perspective that I am the steward, you are the owner. And Lord, that I, me, I would manage your money according to your vision and your values. Lord, I pray that as you reveal to us, as you lead us, we would follow. It's in your name we pray.